0: It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: In the NHL, guys, I think it's probably two of the greatest, absolute greatest conference finals I can never remember. A couple of 3-0 series leads. It's looking like Vegas, an old friend, Bruce Cassidy, against the team that, of course, eliminated the Boston Bruins a few about a month ago and the Florida Panthers. So before we dive into the Bruins, let's just get a quick take from you guys each on, on the, the conference finals that man, what, what riveting television.
2: Well, what really stands out to me is how a Florida has just stayed red hot, but two how it's almost changed how, how they've done it. Like against the Bruins, It was all about offense, a very high-scoring series, which you know we know is not the series the Bruins would have wanted to play. It did kind of fit more of the style that Florida has been. Um, Didn't think either team got very good goaltending, other than maybe a game here or there. Since then, for Florida, it's been all about Sergey Bobrovsky. He's just he's on like an absolute heater for two rounds now. Uh, I think he's he's up to, like, a 980-something, say, percentage in this series. Like, it, it's just crazy. It's, you know, it's uh, Tuca in the 2013 conference finals that sweep over Pittsburgh, where it was like, all right, like, yeah, they're doing a good job defensively, but, like, he's just straight up not getting beat. Like, he's just a brick wall. There, There's absolutely nothing you can do when you run into a goalie like that. Um, and obviously, you know, we know Bobrovsky has – and a two-time Vezina winner, so it's been in there somewhere, but it's just been years since we've seen this. And you know, if you're the Panthers, I mean, what a time to to get this kind of performance from them. And if he keeps it up, like they're they're probably gonna win it all. I mean, Vegas is is a really good team as well, but they you know, and Aiden Hill has played well for them, but um has just totally taken over and like you know, Florida hasn't really had to score all that much. Their five-on-five five scoring has dried up a little. You know, some of that's Carolina, but like it hasn't even mattered with the way Bobrovsky's been playing. So that's kind of been my biggest take takeaway watching this. Is just like, you know, the the Bruins didn't even run into that Bobrovsky, honestly. And still, well, they had Alex
3: I, Lyon to start the series.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, and. It, it's almost like if the Bruins had faced this Panthers team and like Bobrovsky just went off like this, you'd be like, "All right, well, what are you supposed to do?" It's but the fact that they didn't—they didn't even run into this Bobrovsky, and he wasn't even doing this yet, and still lost that series. Just a uh, you know, kind of more more salt in the wound that you know we probably don't have to totally rip open again for Bruins fans. But
3: well, the, the funny thing to me is that. Toronto fans thought it was funny when the Panthers beat the Bruins. <laughs> and then Hurricanes fans thought it was funny when the Panthers beat the Bruins and then the Maple Leafs. And now the Hurricanes fans are not thinking it's that funny because they came in, they took the first three games of the series. And they're, um, yeah, Florida is clearly, the, the crazy thing to me still is that they only made the playoffs because Pittsburgh lost to two horrible teams at the, at the end of the season. Like they, they really were not set. They didn't set themselves up to make the playoffs, except for, um, you know, actually Alex Lyon starting to get hot towards the end of the season without Bobrovsky. But it, it still kind of makes me wonder what would have happened. Like, say Pittsburgh somehow wins that one game, and Florida is not in the playoffs. Like, completely different playoffs because Florida. Uh, They did make it and they've made the most of that opportunity and they definitely have been playing it. This has been said a few times they've been playing for their season for a while. um, And they just continue to play like that. So they're a scary team to run into right now. And they're probably I would say the most confident team if you watch how some of those guys are playing Kachuk is playing like the most confident player in the world. (laughs) He's just out there. um, And he is now a hero in Florida. So what he's been doing has been incredible and yeah, he just, you you wouldn't want to run into Florida. Um, They've proved why they were a true playoff team, even though they weren't in the playoff picture for a little bit there.
1: Well, what's what should be infuriating to Bruins fans. And I know Scott didn't want to rip off this bandaid, but isn't it just the way that the Bruins of course have to be that first team to spark this Cinderella run and spark this confidence for Florida. They have to be the original doormat. It's just, yeah, the Bruins are a bunch of uh jackals for 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 losing to them in the first round and it never should have happened. And now now this Fantastic Cinderella 8th seed state cup run for Florida is it, it it ignites because the Bruins couldn't do what they were supposed to do. So, good job, Bees. All right, so we have a nice little mailbag segment to talk about for the rest of this yes. episode. But before we do, Bridget? We have a new we have a new intro.
3: Yes. <laughs> 3 Third time's a charm, right, <laughs> guys? Um, we have we have a new intro. Um, we, this idea came to us during the season uh, because the Bruins PA announcer, Jake Zimmer, uh, is somebody that I've known. Scott met him uh, since he started doing the PA. And Scott came up to me and was like, why don't we have him do it? So um, we got Jake Zimmer to record our open. So brand new open that I put together the other day. Thank you, Jake. Uh, for doing that for us that I think it makes it better because if you've ever been to the garden and you've heard, you know, a goal get announced or, or whatnot, that's Jake now. So (laughs) thank you, Jake, for doing that.
2: Yeah. Hugely appreciated. Uh, Fan of the pod, Jake, as, as we know, Um, definitely talked to him about podcast stuff a few occasions. So
3: he's my former broadcast partner as well.
2: (laughs) So like, that's why I thought of it. I was like, I don't like very talk to Jake about podcast stuff and you know Mm -hmm. and and we were like we had been work trying to get a new intro for a while because quite frankly, like our our old one, I loved our old one, but it was long and that's like not recommended in podcasting now to have that long of an intro. So we, we had to shorten it up at some point anyways, and uh you know, wanted to do something that would you know that people would like and, and hopefully recognize, and not just have it be kind of you know just a random voiceover guy who I'm sure would have done a fine job. But you know, well, when, not, when, to, not to what, shit on the
3: last guy, but he 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 messed up our intro and said Scott McLaughlin and said this is skate well, pod instead of this is the skate pod, and I was like, I can't use this.
1: Yeah, the the <laughs> so old. This intro, is our
3: new one, and we like it so much better.
1: The original intro is. Was appropriate at the time because we were taking over for, for Ken and Matt Cowman, and we wanted to we wanted to keep a little bit of what they the the taste of what they started for the skate podcast. I mean, it's crazy to think I mean, we took over. I think at episode forty two, right, and here we are, one away from two hundred. So it's been a while, but we definitely wanted to you know tip our tip our cap to them who started it. And then at the time we were only doing one episode a week, and once we went up to three, yeah, it's a bit of a long intro so so yeah so thanks to Jake for for the new and improved and and yeah so now this is the second episode that we're doing I believe regarding mailbag and Mm -hmm. this is something that Scott Bridget and I really wanted to 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 do throughout the summertime because of course there's you know there's gonna be different milestones you get the draft and free agency throughout the summer and, and other things to talk about development camp blah 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 but it can get a little dry in the summertime, but because of our listenership and, and uh, listener engagement, you guys are quite literally providing us with an extra episode a week this summer. And so this is the second one of those. And we really appreciate the, the comments, questions, feedback. And, and I guess Scott, maybe I'll throw it to you to kick off the latest and greatest.
2: Uh, yeah. So th- this one was an email from chip. Um, our email is skatepod at wei.com. You can also send us questions on Twitter at the skate pod or on YouTube for people who have been watching there. um, youtube.com slash wei video. All of our episodes get posted there courtesy of Bridget, part of, uh, all, all the extra work she does on top of just being, uh, one of the co-hosts. Um, so chip had, Talking trade possibilities, which you know we've covered a little bit, but he says, wouldn't it be best for the Bruins to trade a player or two to anyone who is willing to take them? Hall, Olmark, etc. Whatever you get back, even a late round pick is worth the money to sign a player like Bertuzzi. Like say Olmark and Mike Riley for a third round pick, and then you also get with that you get money to sign Tyler Bertuzzi. So essentially, so I, I don't like this idea or this kind of approach. Um, essentially, the idea is that you take less to like get rid of to dump a you know a contract or whatever. Um, because the added benefit is that you get to sign someone like Tyler Bertuzzi and chips almost like factoring that into the trade. I don't like this because I don't, I don't think that's just, I just don't think it's a good way to operate. Like you can't, even though, yes, we know the Bruins are trading from a position of not having a ton of leverage because teams know, you know, they have to clear out salary somewhere. You can't just like give guys, especially if it's a Taylor Hall or a Lena Solomark, like you can't just give those guys away for a mid, to late, a mid to late round pick. That's you very quickly become an organization that other teams are going to keep trying to take advantage of and will not, you're going to have a really hard time winning trades in the future because, they're gonna point to this trade and be like, hey, you only got a mid-round pick for you know a trophy winner. Like, you know, why why would we give you a first round pick for someone else? So you can't do, like I I get the thinking that hey, you just gotta do whatever to to free up some money, but you can't you can't lose trades, at least not badly. Like to me, if you're trading Linus Selmark, which I've said I'm open to, you're it's for something really good. Like whether it's getting back in the first round, whether it's a top prospect, whether it's to address the center position, whatever it might be, like it is not a salary dump. And I would say the same thing about Taylor Hall. Like he, he's coming off a good playoff run. I think he still has value around the league. He's not a guy I'm trade. I'm just giving away. There are other guys that, yeah, I might look to do that and just take any, you know, chip mentioned Mike Riley like that. That, yeah, okay. Mike Riley spent all season down in Providence. If you can get anything for him, great. I would even say the same about Forbert. Like, I, I think Forbert's, you know, while you like some of the things he brings, is relatively replaceable. So if someone wants to take $3 million off your hands for him, like, cool, you know, give me the fifth, sixth round pick, whatever it is. Um, but you can't do that with guys like Allmark and Hall.
3: Yeah, I think the good news is that you don't have to because I think there'd be when this is something we've covered in past episodes, there's plenty of teams that are out there that would be looking for an Olmark and be willing to give up because there's, I think, a decent amount of teams that would be looking into, you know, if they hear he might be available looking into him, uh, that drives up the price for him. So that means that you, you're probably never even in the situation like, oh, crap, no one's no one's inquiring, no one's. No, there's going to be multiple teams inquiring more than likely, even if he's not available. I'm sure there's going to be phone calls made. So you're not going to be in the position where you're like, oh, I guess we'll take a second rounder for him because I think you're going to have just because of the player that Olmark is, um, you're going to have much better offers to start with. Not There's not going to be like an insulting offer that you're like, oh, I guess we'll take it. So I think the good news is just that that's probably not where you are and you probably can get a higher round pick or prospects uh, for someone like Allmark in particular Hall as well. So um, the good news is you, you probably don't have to worry about trading for kind of, you know, a, a later round pick. But to the second part of this, which is to do anything to get Bertuzzi, which I think is kind of the main point is that really what Chip is saying is that he really wants them to keep Bertuzzi. And I think a lot of fans would be in the same boat as him. And I think the organization probably also is very interested in how they might be able to get him to stay. So guys, uh, in terms of what it would take to keep them, did you want to just hit on that a little bit?
1: Well, um, Scott, maybe you know a little bit more of the captain gymnastics they would have to, to get to. I mean, I, I'm I'm all for whatever it takes to to keep Bertuzzi. I, I know it's not ideal. to – I mean, I I guess I would echo what you said, Bridget. I I feel like a 29 year old, soon to be 30 year old, reigning Vesna Trophy winner, which I think we all know Allmark would be this summer. You're gonna get at least a first if you trade him right. I would imagine. I don't think it's. I would I would have to imagine. So I, I yeah I think, I don't think you'll have to to trade for pennies in the dollar for Omar, you should be able to get what you need from him. If you don't want to bring back somebody in return that you'll be spending on the cap, if you just want picks, I'm sure that the Bruins can get what they, what they're looking for. But as far as what the Bruins need to do to get to a point where they can potentially afford Bertuzzi by free agency in July, I think probably Scott might be better to answer that than, than myself.
2: Yeah. So I I like to, I've mentioned this before. I like to use evolving hockey's uh, contract projections, which, you know, I think they are usually pretty solid. Like they're in the ballpark on a lot. And for Bertuzzi, they have him projected at four years, five and a half million per year. Um, if he really liked it here, maybe he takes a little less. Maybe if you go to a fifth year, you get the average annual value down a little. Like, you know, I could potentially see five years, five million a year. Like that kind of makes sense as as a. Nice round number. Um, so if you're looking at, you know, where to move out that that alone would take up your entire free cap space right now. In fact, five and a half would be more than you have now. But if you trade Allmark, that's five million. Or if you trade Taylor Hall, that's six million. So like you you're looking at the right guys in terms of you know, you're you probably have to move out one big ticket item in order to sign another. Um, And I'm open to both of those for, for reasons that we've laid out before, which is, you know, especially if, if Bergeron and Krejci both retire, then there's a little bit of a reset, retool happening anyways. Like, you're, you're not going into next season as a cup favorite. It's not to say you're totally out of it and there's no chance. Like, see how next season goes and maybe you're in a good spot. But if that's what happens, like, I, I would rather – be looking for the guys who are going to be here beyond the next one or two years. So all Mark with two years left, it would be the right time to look into moving him. Same with hall two years left in his thirties. Like those are the kind of guys that you should be potentially okay with trading. If it means that you're locking up a, a Tyler Bertuzzi for four or five years, you know, through his prime years, through his late twenties, early thirties.
3: Yeah, and I think we all, all three of us agree that if you can can manage it, then you definitely want to target him because he fits in a lot of ways into this organization, um, and he did well when he came over, and you're looking to, like Scott mentioned, add players that are going to be part of this transition into this new era without uh, So and Krejci. So I think everybody would agree if you can keep him then – Sure, but in in the past, I just have a gut feeling that he's he's probably going to get an offer somewhere else that might be more enticing to him. Um, maybe not even, it might not even be about the number. It might be because he'd just rather play there um, for whatever reason. So uh, it's in his hands, even if the Bruins are able to uh, open up that space. I assume that negotiations with him would be, top priority for the Bruins um, at this point, though they do have a lot of free agents uh, going into the offseason. They have the Pasana contract out of the way, so we're not dealing with that again this offseason, uh, and that would be a really scary one, but that kind of leaves time to for Sweeney to negotiate with Bertuzzi, and then uh, Krejci and Bergeron kind of gauge their interest in whether or not they're coming back. So um, once again, Krejci said he would have his decision pretty soon. And um, we haven't heard it yet, but maybe it's coming around the corner.
1: And as Scott mentioned, I think last episode or the one before that, just because we don't know, doesn't mean yeah. the Bruins don't know, right? So I guess uh, there is a question about about the Bruins' priorities, assuming no Bergeron and Krejci next year, but perhaps you guys wanted to finish <laughs> off.
2: Yep. Just before we move on, I can actually tell you exactly when we're going to get a crazy decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is going to be next weekend because I am away for a bachelor party. And these guys always announce these things when I am not around. So
3: Okay, so I'll be writing is what yeah. it sounds like. Uh, I'll be so writing. June,
2: circle June 3rd and 4th on your calendar. That's when that's coming. Well,
1: what okay, happened cool. last time when you, when you went away to, to Europe for about mm-hmm. a week or two? What, what, what dropped then? I forget.
3: Bergeron it was yeah. It
1: was everything. So was, okay, okay, that's.
2: <laughs> well, it wasn't the Z- the Zaka trade had happened, but it, I think it was his. It was his
3: press conference. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was on like, I was on three different Zoom calls that like, it one day or maybe there were two days that that Scott was gone. I was just on Zoom calls all day. Uh, with those three new contracts being discussed. So, yeah, that, that did happen. Um, <laughs> that, that would be our luck. We'll get Drunk Scott on here to react um, to the crazy news as soon as it happens.